Just look at the fucking bums you hang around with. What is nothing? Yeah, that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's deep, bro. Hi. Thank you for downloading. That's deep, bro. I'm your host, Christina P. It's a lovely Sunday afternoon as I record this. My husband has kindly taken our toddler to the park so that I may do this in uh, in peace. Our, our nanny is in Guatemala and we're lost. Is this... <sighs> it's horrible. It's a, how do people raise children with just two people? It's so... It's, it's, it's impossible. Okay. Uh, some business. First of all, come see me do stand-up. Uh, I will be... Uh, well, first of all, we're doing your mom's house live August 23rd, West Palm Beach Improv in Florida. And then September 22nd and 23rd, St. Louis, Missouri at Helium Comedy Club. And then I had my date wrong uh, for Nashville. It's actually October 3rd at Zany's. And then October 4th, Charlotte, North Carolina at the Comedy Zone. And then October 8th, we do Your Mom's House Live again in Sperm Vine, California. And that's it. That's it for me right now. I'm just kind of taking my time, just enjoying life. You know what I'm saying? Also, uh, shop on Amazon using my banner. That that means when you do your shopping, just go to that Pro podcast, click on the banner at the bottom of the page, and uh, just do your shopping as you normally would. Okay, great. Oh, sponsors. Here we go. Talk space. I love it. Uh, We all need to take a little bit better care of ourselves and our mental health is no exception. That's why my sponsor Talk Space, the online therapy company, makes it easy to connect with an experienced licensed therapist that you pick based on your preferences for as little as $32 a week. Um, You can send your therapist text, audio, and video messages, or even do a live video chat. Talkspace therapists are fully licensed and go through a rigorous screening process in addition to thousands of hours of supervised professional training. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com slash bro. And as a special offer for my listeners, you can use coupon code BRO to get $30 off your first month and show your support for my podcast. That's B-R-O at Talkspace.com slash BRO. Talkspace, therapy for how we live today. You know, it's so true. I mean, you go to the gym uh, to exercise so that you don't die an early death, right? Physically. Um, You go to the doctor if something's wrong with a body part, I, I don't know why people don't see therapists. Like if you're having anxiety or depression or you're freaking out or you're, you're just, you're, you need to get your life. Um, you know, listening to this podcast definitely I'm sure is helpful, but it, you really got to go to the professionals, man. Go to people who are trained to do this stuff. It's like, uh, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of, you know what I'm saying? You know, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of a no brainer. Okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Uh, It's probably impossible these days with all the websites out there. I wouldn't even know where to begin. I think back in the day, um, back when I was looking for jobs, I just wandered them all. (laughs) I think I did just wander them all. Are you hiring? How about you? No? 
So uh, this is a different era we live in. And ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash bro. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash bro. One more time to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash bro. And thank you, ZipRecruiter, for sponsoring the show. And thank you, Talkspace. What would I do without you two? Okay. I, I'm so stoked. I uh, Hold on. I got to write down this note before I forget it. I, uh, I'm alone in the house, man. I'm alone in the house, and I, I'm feeling like a human being. Cause I got a few minutes away from the kid and I uh, just, I'm listening to the clash this morning. So let's fucking, now you know what? I was going to do this song, but I am feeling like I got, you know what? I love this. I've loved the song since I was three years old. I'm just going to play three years old, four years old. When this came out in 1980, I was, I was a four year old girl and I would sit in the back of my dad's car and the song was on the radio. And, um, I just, I, I love it. I've loved it since I was four. How is that even possible? I mean, I have not evolved musically since 1980. Great.
<laughs> I may have far apart. He thinks it's not kosher. That's <laughs> the best part of that song. Uh, thanks. It's not kosher. Hello. Welcome to that Steve bro. Thank you for watching me on YouTube. Thank you for downloading this. It's like, again, it's a Sunday and I'm feeling extra. I'm feeling extra saucy, a little, a little kick, a little, um, a little kick, man. I mean, look this week, uh, as I mentioned earlier, my nanny is on vacation in Guatemala and, and, uh, I don't know how just two people raise a human. It, it is a fucking handful to say the least. And I love how nobody really talks about that. <laughs> um, cause if you were to look at celebrity blogs or just literature on child rearing, it, all people say is like, well, it is, cha- it's a challenge. Or um, it's exhausting, but in a good way. Like, mm, is there really any good way uh, to be exhausted? I don't buy that. Like, I've never enjoyed uh, tired, and I'm always tired. But okay, so this week I had two. Two. Well, look, here's what you learn. Here's what I've learned having a toddler: is that you're never actually doing anything. You're just being. So. It's like I'm in a constant state of uh, fucking Zen Buddhism where like you want to get out the door and you want to go to the mall or you want to go to the park and just getting out the door takes an hour because, you know, the kid doesn't want to put on shorts, uh, doesn't want whatever sunblock and then there's a tantrum and then the diaper is dirty. It's like a, it's like a Sisyphean thing where you're just constantly pushing a rock up a hill. Uh, but in between the, that, you know, that stuff is, you know, amazing moments of laughing and giggling and, and laughing at yourself. Cause you're realizing how seriously you're taking all of your life. Like you're just like, really, did I fucking give a shit about so much of this stuff before I had a kid? Like, I, I used to be so caught up on being on time and, and getting there and doing this and doing that. And you realize all that shit is, is, is ridiculous. You're just, you're just being, I'm in a constant state of being with this little person who doesn't understand schedules or, or doing or, or, you know, that we got somewhere to go. So, uh, so a couple of things happened this week. Um, Tom and I went away for three days, just like to, uh, you know, stay a place nearby, just like whatever, go to a hotel, uh, make their rooms dirty instead of ours. And, um, and I had a moment where I was like, this is what surrender means. Like this is, this is surrender. Cause I had a, an older friend tell me when, when he had, he has two children and he was like, uh, if I could just give you any advice, it's, uh, just surrender, surrender, surrender. And at the time I was maybe in my early thirties and I was like, God, that sounds fucking terrible, man. <laughs> and I, I kind of understood it the way I kind of understand all heavy Buddhist ideas or philosophical premises. You kind of, you kind of get it. And then there's a point in your life where you go, Oh, Oh shit, that's what he's talking about. And I had my surrender moment. Uh, well, there's been quite many, but a big one this weekend where I was taking uh, taking a dump in the hotel room and Tom was off, I don't know, doing something. And I just wanted to take a shit, you know? Like, um, you know, when you, you've been running around all day and you're just like exhausted and you you feel like you have to dump, but you're like, I can't. I have, there's too much going on. So it was one of those dumps that I needed to take the time to really focus and relax and like chill. And I'm sitting there on the toilet, and my toddler will not won't tolerate <clears throat> excuse me being alone. And is like, 
wanting to be with me, right? So I'm like, all right, dude, come on in, come on in. Like, let's fight. I, I shit in front of him constantly. I haven't taken a private dump in, you know, 19 months. So I usually shit with an audience of two dogs, a child. Uh, but now he's upped his toilet game. It's usually like he plays with the brushes, the toilet brushes in the trash too. He's in the trash. So now his hands are filthy. I have to wash his hands after. It's that whole thing. I'm used to it. He's unspooling the toilet paper. Fine. Chaos. Surrender. 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 That's all I can say. Surrender. So I'm sitting there trying to take a shit and now he's learned how to flush the toilet. So he's flushing it over and over and over and I'm just trying to relax and grunt this one out. And now he's, (laughs) he's taking the lid and slamming it against my back just over and over slam 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 and like not not soft like he's a strong little dude so it's wham 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 and I can't relax my sphincter enough uh to shit because and I just and I go and so finally I go buddy please enough with the slamming enough with the flushing and then he looks at me and he goes up up like I want up on your lap and you know in that situation you do have two choices where you go like I can I can fight this current and I can say no to the lap sitting while I'm taking a dump. Or I can, as the Buddhists say, surrender and allow a toddler to sit on my lap as I take a shit. And really, that's the essence of parenthood. And I feel like these fucking books that I read, these horseshit, what to expect, and uh, whatever fucking Irma Bombeck you know, a kind of real portrayal of adulthood parenting is not accurate. Like you haven't, you don't know what the fuck it is to be a mom until you've taken a shit with a toddler sitting on your lap. Yeah. Rock the Casbah. So that happened. That was like another moment where I'm like, wow, I'm really in this. And then I, my kid broke my phone for a second time in three, three months. He shattered the uh, the glass. I let him watch Sesame Street while he eats. It's the only way he can eat. And he fucking dropped my phone again. And I was like, God damn it. Uh, now I got to go to the Apple store, which is the seventh ring of hell. Everybody knows the Apple store is Dante's Inferno. There's no order. Uh, you check in to some weird Zimzer with a ponytail and a, an ironic mustache. I, the, the guy at the store, I'm not even kidding, had one of those hipster mustaches that was straight out. It was like six inches long on one end, six inches long on the other end, and then tweezled straight out. Like he had put, you know, gel in it. And I was like, really? Fuck face? Really? Like I'm already irritated that I have to waste hours of my day doing this and I got to fucking look at an ironic hipster. Like, give me a break. But then again, you know... I shouldn't talk shit because I was goth for like too long. I was goth for like 10 years. And so I was kind of pulling the same, you know, look at me, daddy, uh, love me, mommy stuff where I wanted people to notice me. So like, who am I to throw stones? You know what I'm saying? And I, whatever. You check in to some amorphous, uh, non-binary being, and then they go, oh, okay, Miss Segura, go, go stand over there. And then you're like, what? What do you mean? Go stand at that table. Eventually someone will find you. Like what kind of, this doesn't work for people with um, control issues. This doesn't work for people who don't, um, who don't, who things didn't happen when you were a kid. Like, you know what I mean? Like when you grow up, it, it, your childhood is based on the premise that nothing ever fucking happens when people say it will. That to me is so anxiety inducing when somebody's like, just go stand over there. Someone will be with you shortly. 
those words, someone will be with you shortly. I'm like, well, how long is shortly? Is it five minutes? Is it seven minutes? Can we quantify this? Where do I stand? Is there some form of a line? It makes me so, it, it just harkens back to like my parents never keeping their word on stuff, right? Like we're going to go to Disneyland this weekend. <gasps> we are. And then the weekend comes around. Nah, I don't feel like it. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. It, it, it's that deep down the rabbit hole. So uh, the point being, I surrendered, surrendered, surrendered again in the Apple store, and I also surrendered to buying. Have you seen this monstrosity of a case for a phone? Moms have this. This is an official mom case on an iPhone. It's called an OtterBox. And this is essentially the cell phone equivalent of wearing culottes and sandals and, uh, and shutting it down. I've, this is one step closer to me shutting it down. I can feel my vagina sewing itself shut every time I pick up my phone that is encased in an otter box. And what this is, it is break proof. My kids already dropped this five times, hasn't shattered. It is water resistant and it is sex resistant. There you go. If you don't want to get laid, get yourself an otter box. I mean, oh, and the best part about it, it comes with a hook that you can hook onto your belt. Isn't that the most fucking demeaning thing? And uh, like, there's nothing a more asexual than somebody who clips their phone onto their belt. And I, I got it in the, I got it through Amazon, of course. And my husband just looked at me and he's like, "Are you shutting it down?" <laughs> I'm like, "I'm not going to do the clip. Not going to do. I refuse to do. I don't surrender to that capacity. But I will use the OtterBox. Go fuck yourself on the clip, man. It ain't going to happen." Also, I've been watching Netflix a lot. I love it. And uh, Police Academy is on Netflix. If you haven't seen Police Academy, get your life. It is probably, it's one of my favorite comedies. I love it. I grew up watching Steve Gutenberg and uh, Michael Winslow do all those great sounds. There's a, he's so fucking talented. Look, anybody that can mimic sounds or do impressions to me is the, like genius. And Michael Winslow is so, so talented and funny and um, and what I like about Police Academy, now you might go, Christina, that's just some kind of dated, uh, sexist, racist, old school, white boy, back slapping, Caddyshack comedy. No, it actually fucking isn't. Like I was watching Police Academy and first of all, they make fun of the white guys. The white guys are not the winners. They make the quote losers, the marginalized people in society, the heroes, right? You've got, um... The, the, the timid voiced uh, black lady, I can't remember her name. I'm sorry. I think it's Jones. I think that's her, her name. And, uh, and they scream at her in the lineup, you know, what do you want to do? She's like, I want to be a police officer. It's great. And they, they end up giving her the power in the end. You know, she gets her voice and she ends up yelling and uh, it's fucking great, man. They give all the, the, the quote scumbags, what they call them. They get all the jokes. It's a, it's a real underdog story. And I love underdog stories, which is why I love Revenge of the Nerds too. However, there was rape in Revenge of the Nerds. No rape in Police Academy. I think it's all consensual sex. And Steve Gutenberg, what a little hottie in his short shorts, man. Remember at the time when men wore uh, cut off denim shorts and like so short, like Miley Cyrus pants where the pockets would hang out? <laughs> that was rad. Oh my God, I love when you could see dudes' balls hanging out. That was the days, man, when men had the courage to wear dolphin shorts. Talk about being comfortable with your sexuality. That, that was like, that was when femi- little femininity was acceptable in men. I feel like um, 
that was like the BGs and and people men had long hair for the first time in society and it kind of blurred the lines between the genders a little and uh yeah it's pretty fucking cool and now there's the man bun I've seen that that is disgusting and hideous and and uh and completely wrong uh but uh but yeah give me a dude in a dolphin shorts any day dolphin short singular not plural yeah, I remember dolphin shorts. Fucking, I, we all wore them, boys and girls. Um, but I, I, you did see balls every now and then. That, that was the design flaw of the dolphin short, is that, yes, they were liberating and uh, very cooling in the summer, but you did see uh, some chicken skin every now and then from a dude. I think that's how I learned about balls, actually, were uh, dolphin shorts in elementary school. Yeah, this kid Robbie would wear them a lot and he ran out of the bathroom one day and he put his leg up on the fountain and I was like, oh, I think, uh, I think I saw something. And there you go. And I came home and I, oh no, and, and Robbie went and he rubbed his crotch and he went, ooh, I got a boner, like that. And then I came home and I asked my mom, what's a boner? And then she said, well, when a man has an erection, his penis is getting hard. And he, I think this is what he's talking about. I don't know what boner is. She didn't know boner, but she kind of knew because uh, the context of Robbie rubbing his crotch and then looking at me and going, ooh, I got a boner. So she put it together, but she'd never heard the word boner. <clears throat> but um, God bless my mom for telling me the truth, right? Thank God. It, <laughs> I mean, you know, that's like number one. You got to learn what a boner is. How am I going to get through life without knowing what a boner is? All right. Where do we go? Let's let's do some um, emails. Oh, <laughs> like this is still playing under. It just plays over and over until I stop it. There we go. Let's do our intro for emails. You want to know why you're all fucked up? Okay. Um, where do we begin? So a lot of people, I guess I, I'm really excited to say I touched on a nerve talking about mom stuff in, in a very real way. And... Um, well, let's fucking, let's go there, huh? Let's get into some, well, no, I feel like we just talked. I did a lot of mom stuff. Let me go here. Hold on. I like this. Okay. Hey, Christina, <clears throat> I've been listening to the podcast for a few months now. I'm at crossroads in my life. Okay, here it goes. My dad never really approved of me or liked me. Even when I was meeting his expectations, he would always move the goalposts. He was never accountable to me. Even when I was meeting him halfway, he would go back on his promises a lot. Over the years, my drive to prove him wrong actually morphed into self-destructive behavior. Just this past month, I was supposed to graduate college and skipped all my final exams and failed for literally no reason. I know he will, ne- he will likely never give me the validation that I'm waiting for, so I want to move the fuck on and get, out, and get out of my own way. Additionally, he has a heart condition and will likely die sooner than we think. My question is this. How can I move on and stop giving a fuck about his opinion? Did you regret your bad relationship with your mother after she passed away? I only ask because I stopped talking to him for over two years now. Okay, so this is from somebody named John. Ah. Oh. John, I love this email. I mean, shit, this one was written. I mean, it's like the thing I'm super qualified to answer. Um, okay, well, here's what's happening, dude. Is that here's what here's what happens? Uh, you got some mommy and daddy stuff going on, right? Mommy, daddy issues. Either one, go ahead, take your pick. Sometimes both. And what we do as adults is uh, 
we either rebel against mommy and daddy and we go and do things our way. Total opposite, right? Let's say, uh, let's say mommy and daddy were into health and they jogged every day and, uh, they had green smoothies and you go, well, fuck that. I'm going to weigh 500 pounds. I'm going to eat pizza. Um, or dad's, you know, daddy, mommy do drugs and alcohol. And you go, "Uh -uh, I'm going to go sober. I'm not even going to touch alcohol. I'm going to go so the opposite direction and I'm going to do it everything differently. Okay. So the problem with that way of living, although it, 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 you know, whatever it can be, it can feel good in the short term. Like I think long-term you're just living in reaction, right? You're reactive. You're still in it. You're still angry at mommy, daddy. And that's, that's, I think what's happening here. I'm uh, for no reason. It sounds like you think it's connected to your dad's approval. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. Um, so I mean, look, it's a long process and this is why you do need to see a therapist. This is, this is just me telling you, I think what's up with you, but, um, yeah, your dad, it sounds like won't ever approve of you. And I think you know that. And and it's one thing to intellectually know that your parents just won't give you what you want. And it, it's it's another to really accept that and really, really accept them for who they are and their limitations. And that's the hardest part of the whole dealio. And then you throw in aging and dying and sickness and then the guilt that ensues from maybe not wanting to be at their bedside and not wanting to be a caregiver to an ailing crappy parent that you don't really feel a lot of love for. (laughs) So, okay, there's a few things. So number one, you got to accept the situation. So accept, hey, guess what? Dad's never going to give you the validation you seek, no matter how successful you are, no matter how much you may act out even and deliberately blow it. Because also, in a weird way, some of us have parents that want us to blow it. What? Yeah. Sometimes parents feel better when their kid is not doing well so that they can feel superior to the kid. And that's like textbook 101 narcissistic parent, alcoholic parent. That's like fucking textbook, dude. So um, maybe your self-sabotaging stuff is a way to get daddy's attention or even sickly enough approval. I don't know. This is a theory. I'm a fucking comic who's been in therapy for a decade. That's the only thing, my only credibility here. I'm just speculating, man. The only reason I, I even fucking say this is because I want, I want to help people because I feel like I'm on the other end of a lot of the, these issues and I just, I'll just tell you what I did and if it works great, if not, don't, do not take my word. Like, Go try what's going to work for you. That's what I'm saying. But here's, for me, the journey. So um, so number one, stop living. You have to stop living reactively to your parents, which is really, really hard because all the triggers and all the buttons and all the stuff and all your emotions, it's, it's in reaction to how you were raised, right? And, um, and it's not their fault. This is not to blame the parents, blah, blah, blah. It's not blaming mommy and daddy because you have to take responsibility for your own uh, behavior and feelings. That's like number one, dude. Why are you going to let your dad... Uh, flunk you out of college because on some bizarre level you think that that's better for you you're gonna let him sabotage the rest of your life don't let them don't you dare let them don't you dare let crappy parents ruin your future don't you dare they may have fucked up the first 18 years of your existence do not let them ruin your adulthood don't you dare because that's the, that's a, a huge problem right people grow up in abusive situations and it it can really really funk up the rest of your your life don't let it so 
he will never give you the validation. I know you right here. I know he will likely never give me the validation I'm waiting for. He doesn't want to give you the validation. Okay. He doesn't want to. It's not that he will likely count on it. Count on him being a schmuck. Just count on it and move on. And how do you do that? When you see a shrink, you grieve. A lot about um, accepting your parents' limitations is grieving those limitations, grieving the, the stuff you didn't get. And a lot of times you don't even know what that is because you think that everybody had the same way, had it the same way that you did until you start raising your own children. And you're like, wait a minute, wait a fucking minute. You mean to tell me that everybody gets babysitters when they're nine? (laughs) Stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? So you, uh, yeah, you have to accept, accept, surrender, surrender to what is. And then begin unpacking the process of getting your life. Now, um, how do you move on? You stop giving a fuck. It's just that simple. Focus on you. And also part of the trap of the parent stuff is that it's a codependent weird thing where you start to care about them versus you. So the only way to really get your life, it sounds like you haven't haven't spoken to him for two years. Great. Excellent. Start there. Stop it. Stop the communication, especially if it's abusive and crappy. Like you have no obligation to be abused by anybody. Why, Why is that? Like I wouldn't even have a friend who treated me the way that my mother did. Like, fuck, are you kidding me? That's poison. Get out of here. Not done. So good for you. That's number one. You're already there. Stop it. Stop communication. It doesn't sound like it's benefiting anybody. And then work on you. Why did you sabotage yourself? That's the wonderful question to start with. Sounds like you're smart enough to get into college. Sounds like you're doing well. And then why? And that's something you got to figure out in therapy. I can't answer that for you really, but work on you, dude. It's, I don't, it sounds like you're a young guy and you've got your whole life ahead of you. That's all you can do. Fuck, forget them, dude. He's not, put it this way. The shitty parent ain't worried about you. (laughs) They're not worried about you in the right way is what I'm saying. Uh, He's not up at night fretting over getting your approval. So I don't know why you're worried about his. And you ask me, do I regret my bad relationship with my mother after she passed away? That's a question I get a lot. And I understand why, because the inclination is like, I, I think, I think the problem uh, with a lot of movies and television is that the, you know, okay. In film, for instance, the story has to have an arc. There has to be a resolution. People change in movies. And that's why you see things like, uh, I want to think of that movie Pollyanna for, I like Pollyanna. It's a stupid fucking sixties movies with Haley Mills and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, she's, she's coming to visit this nasty old crotchety woman and she's the whole village knows that this woman's a cunt and Pollyanna decides she's going to, she's going to be so nice to this old fucking cunt lady that she's going to turn it around and make this woman a good human. And of course, wouldn't you know it in the Disney version of life, uh, just by being nice to crappy people, they somehow see Jesus come to the light and become kind. And I got to tell you that I have, I have seen it happen only in circumstances where people become medicated. They finally get some kind of antidepressant or they get some kind of chemical imbalance corrected. They stop doing drugs because they're usually addicted to something. Um, it's very, very rare that change happens. It really only occurs when the, that person decides like, hey, I got I to gotta turn this around. So the problem with the Pollyanna story is that you can't nice 
an asshole. You can't nice crazy into being normal. It's never going to happen. So with my mother, uh, no, I do not regret my bad relationship with my mother uh, after she passed away. And in fact, I have more love for her now in her death than I do when she was alive. How is that possible? I have more understanding and more compassion for my mother now that she is gone, mostly because she can't fuck with me anymore. <laughs> uh, a weird thing happens when they die. It's, it's actually the opposite, that my relationship with my mother improved in her passing because uh, she's not here to actively uh, you know, zing me. I'm not going to get a weird letter in the mail, a cryptic, weird, upsetting email about, about uh, Hillary Clinton and about, you know, to aliens and tinfoil hats and shit. So it's, it's much easier and it's easier to see her limitations now that she's gone. And do I regret not, there was, there was no mending. That's, that's the thing that I need to really make people understand who are grieving a parent that maybe wasn't ideal. I think I was talking to somebody who's, who's grieving an unideal parent right now, right now. It's called complicated grieving, grieving or complex. Sorry. I'm so upset that I can't remember the phrase. There is a phrase for it. Uh, complex grieving or complicated grieving where it isn't, you know, you, you're not grieving like this awesome relationship you had. You're grieving a very complex thing. Um, this person is your biological parent. However, the relationship couldn't be ideal because of, you know, my mother was very mentally ill. So there, there was no hope of repairing the relationship. And I do not regret that we couldn't work it out because there was no working out. She refused to take medicine. She refused to leave her house. She refused to, uh, to see me actually. <laughs> so there was no way we could, we could have, uh, worked things out. There was, there were no tools. There was no bridge because of her diminished mental capacity. So, you know, it's, it's just one of those things, man. And, and, it, and it's, uh, it's tragic and it sucks. And I'm sorry that you don't have uh, the parent you want, it, it really, really blows. Uh, it really blows. And my heart goes out to you. And just know that though, that so many people are in your situation and it feels very lonely. And I, I know that, uh, but know that because of their generation, another problem too, that no one really uh, talks about is that uh, older people, I mean, look, if you weren't, if you weren't an adult, if you were born in like the eighties, you basically missed the whole self-help movement. Like, People our parents' age just don't, they didn't have access to mental health care. That's the thing. Like, they're, you were just an asshole or you were just an alcoholic and everybody was like, oh, yeah, they're fucking fucked up. So it's not like your parents really have the tools at their disposal to, you know, to get into therapy. It just didn't, it didn't happen. So it's not their fault, nobody's fault, but it, now it is your responsibility to fix this cycle and to stop it from going forward because you, you may have children one day and you don't want to pass this shit on to them. So you have a responsibility, John, uh, to get your life, to go see your shrink and figure out why the fuck you're self-sabotaging yourself. Why do you hate yourself? That's the other thing is that this stuff is, is self-hatred. Stop it. You don't deserve a bad life. Do you think you deserve a bad life? Do you think you deserve to fail? Is that really what's going on? Is that the unconscious belief? Because there's a lot of those unconscious things that, that happen when you grow up in a lot of weird stuff, right? You don't even know it. You don't even fucking know it. Ah, and then one day you wake up and you're like, what am I doing with my life, dude? What the fuck? I didn't get my life. So you're young. Go get your life now in your 20s, mommy. And, and, and also, 
if I may suggest, look to the people who like you. That's the thing is that it's just like in comedy where you look at the audience and you get hung up on the one motherfucker who isn't laughing. I mean, it took me 10 years to stop focusing on the guy who doesn't like me. Go look at the, the other half of the room. I don't even look at the sour pusses in the audience. I focus on the, the woman who's having the best time of her life. I focus on the old guy uh, who's laughing and crying. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's all about the lens, dude. Don't look at the sour pusses. Don't look at the fuckers who don't like you. You go with the winners. Go with the people who like you. Is there an older man in your life that can kind of be a surrogate father figure? That, that really is... Fan- I mean, I had people who, through the grace of God or whoever, uh, took me under their wing in my 20s and kind of uh, raised me in a weird way. Like, because the, I think people sensed like, oh, this girl's a <laughs> lost soul. <laughs> so there are people, I'm sure, who you can look to. And, and do you have a good family? Do you have a great uncle or an aunt or grandparents that are awesome go with them go with them don't even don't look to the the turdy don't even go don't and stop trying to get their approval forget it look at what you have don't look at what you don't have that's the fucking that's the the big one yeah okay um let me see oh i wanted to bring this up there, okay, this girl wrote in and I wanted to um, read this because I think she has a really good point. Remember last week I discussed that girl who wanted to travel alone through the UK and she said that she had an internet friend that she could meet in Scotland or whatever. So this, this woman wrote in, um, Ami, and I wanted to read this because I think it's great. She goes, I just want to put my two cents in. I did this in 2012. I knew someone who lived outside of London. And he took me to Scotland. Long story, but it was set up that I'd go visit him alone and we'd go on a fun platonic adventure through Britain together. This guy had a wife and had made up a very elaborate lie about his, quote, life. I was in such a bad place, I didn't even consider that a possibility. He took advantage of me. I was alone. I knew nobody and had, I had no idea what to do because when I realized what... Oh, God damn it. I had no idea what to do when I realized what was going on. When I got home, I couldn't tell anyone because I barely told anyone when I went. Yikes. I knew it was a bad idea from the get-go, but I was not thinking logically going through a lot of loss slash grief at the time. That person who wrote in did not indicate a gender to that internet friend. Well, come on, guys. Don't be presumptuous. So I am not sure if this is the case. But yeah, I don't recommend meeting internet friends solo that could possibly be sexually interested in her, even if they say they're not. They fucking are. Who's kidding who? Thanks and go fuck yourself, Ami. Uh, great advice, Ami. I don't know why the go fuck yourself is in there. I forget. Did we say that at some point? Um, yeah, I see. Okay, look. So me, naive me, who has not made many internet friends because I, I'm before this era of like internet dating. This is a very valid point. Do we know this person is not sexually interested in you? I recommend, I would say do a tour group, dude. If you want to travel alone, go with a tour group. I Again, 90s Britain is different than 2017 Britain. So last time I was there alone as a student, I was 20. Long time ago. Um, go with a group. Go with a fucking tour group. Go with like a young tour group. Don't they have millennial tour groups? Christians. Go with Christians. They're nice people. Okay. Let's get back to some um, family stuff. This is, uh, 
Okay, hold on. This is an interesting one I got too. So uh, it says, hi, Christina. I'm 35, happily married, very happily married, she writes, and super excited to be six months pregnant with my first baby. Lately, I have been feeling so sad about the lack of physical connection between my husband and I. We had an awesome sex life before I got pregnant, but it seems like something about the pregnancy is getting in the way of our physical relationship. I know it is super common for things like sex to change when pregnancy and babies happen, but I let my husband know pretty regularly that I'd be really happy if we could do it more and it doesn't seem to change anything. At first, he said he was just nervous about hurting the baby. Now, mostly, he says he's tired and stressed out from work. He always seems to have some reason for not wanting to have sex. I should mention that we do it an average of once every two weeks, but this is a big de- but this is a big decrease. And how it used to be, and I'm almost always have to, having to initiate it, even though he is great about telling me I'm beautiful, I can't shake the feeling that my growing belly is unattractive or that I don't turn him on at all anymore. I try my best to look pretty and dress nice and communicate my concerns so I feel hurt and rejected by his seeming lack of desire. I'm wondering if there is anything else I can do besides accept this as one more change that is happening in our lives. Okay, mommy. This is from Kay. Um, okay, so I asked my husband about this one because I don't really, I don't know. Uh, I've heard that, I've heard that, yeah, I do think guys can do get creeped out by pregnant lady body. I mean, shit, I was creeped out by my own body. Uh, I couldn't believe what I looked like, especially towards the end, man. <laughs> it was so big. I couldn't believe that anybody would ever have sex with me again. Um, so... It could be. Yeah. Okay. So that is one possibility that he is spooked. Um, But you say that you guys do have sex. So it's not as though he's not attracted to you because he's able, it sounds like, to get it up and you guys are able to do it. Um, It could be, this is coming from Tom. He goes, it could be that you, uh, he doesn't know how to approach you, right? Because things are so different, you know, especially women are so hormonal and we're not, we're not acting the same. Maybe he's afraid to initiate it because he doesn't know if it's okay, if you're in the mood. So he's probably letting you take the lead. It sounds like, um, until this period of time is over between you two. And I mean, I would just continue to have conversations with him about it. Like, Hey, do you feel like you can't initiate with me or are you grossed out? It's okay. I think it's weird too. <laughs> uh, maybe there are other things we can do during this time so that, I mean, he could, he, you say that he's afraid of hurting the baby. Um, that could very well be it too. Maybe he just feels like it's weird. You're maternal. I don't know. Um, worth mentioning to him again, I don't know. Again, that could be one thing that he's, he is creeped out. My husband tends to think that, no, it's not that because, he's able to get it up for you and you guys are doing it. It's just that he's not comfortable initiating it. So it may be an initiation thing and you may have to give him a license to ill, but we all know that, you know, especially the first, you're six months long, but the first trimester we're also tired and cranky and you're probably a lot more tired and not, not um, as spunky as when you weren't pregnant. And that might be like, Oh, signals to him of like, stay the fuck away from me. So there you go. That's what that's what we think. <laughs> um, and here we go. So here's on the other side of things. 
Um, Hi, Mommy. I was just listening to the most recent podcast where you got the email from the woman who's feeling guilty and bad about herself because she's not over the moon about being pregnant. I'm on the other side of things. I married my husband two years ago in October, and we've been trying to have a baby for the past year. I'm 36, he's 35, and we just recently had a miscarriage at seven weeks. Oh, I'm sorry. We're about to start trying again, and I'm ready and I want to, but I can't help feeling all these mixed emotions. I struggle with days of being angry because my body seems to be failing at one at the one thing biologically that it's supposed to be good at. Other days, I feel like that's a ridiculous, a ridiculous notion. Why is bearing a child the end-all be-all to a woman's life? <laughs> we are going to keep trying, but at the same time, I like to try to reconcile the fact that my life still has meaning, even if it never happens. Uh, that I'm not a defective person if I can't bear a child. I'm struggling with how to do this, especially because with the added, the added pressure of family and friends who seem to be waiting on bated breath for my uterus to perform its duty. I'm wondering if you can speak on this at all or if you have any advice to me before I tell both of our families to fuck off and get a hobby instead of waiting for us to provide their entertainment for retirement. <laughs> Thanks, Jeans. Kara. Yeah, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, listen. Uh, here's some other shit no one fucking tells you about baby making and fertility and all the stuff is that f- first of all, getting pregnant for some people is really easy for other people. It is a roller coaster of emotions and it can take years. It can take a very long time. There can be medical intervention. You can be taking pill. What the heck? I mean, uh, it is misery. And I, and I, ugh, yikes. I mean, I, I, my heart goes out to you with a miscarriage. And that is also one of the more taboo subjects in motherhood. And I don't know why women are not talking about it more uh, because it's so frequent. I mean, you're in the majority of women if you have had a miscarriage or more, one or several. Um, it's very normal. And it's just not talked about. And it really, yikes. It really bums me out that people don't uh, talk about it because a it's very shameful having one. It's very private. It's very scary. It's very depressing. Um, it's very it's confusing, and it's not like you can just tell people what's happened to you too. That's another thing. Um, and hopefully you haven't spilled the beans about being pregnant so that you don't have to go and tell people that oh yeah, guess what? This didn't work out which is nightmare, which is why a lot of people don't say anything until second trimester when you're kind of in the clear because the, the heartbreak of having to go through a miscarriage and then tell every asshole in your family about it is just colossally uh, horrible. Um, so yeah, I get it. The, the feelings of, did I do this? Is this, uh, did I, did I cause this? Is this because I had coffee before I knew I was pregnant or because of the the glass of wine I had before I knew, or I ate Cheetos on, is this because of the, uh, you know, I fell down. No, it's not. It's nothing you you can do. There's nothing. I mean, I'm assuming you're telling me you're not a heroin addict. Even those people, even people, fucking women that smoke crack end up having babies that are born, which is crazy to me. So first of all, just know that, uh, it's so common and you're in the majority of women and sometimes shit just happens and we don't know why. And it's just, it's, you know, and they're going to, people are going to say all kinds of trite things to you, like I'm about to say, uh, where, uh, you know, it's for the better 
in a, in a way, because you do want to have a healthy child. You don't, you don't necessarily want to, I don't know, maybe you do, but I personally would not want to have a child with uh, birth defects or whatever. So, you know, fuck nature's a brutal bitch. Um, it's brutal. And, uh, my heart goes out to you cause that's fucking terrible. And, uh, yeah, you, you will feel like a failure as a woman when you have a miscarriage. That's totally normal too. Why can't I do this? This is like the one thing I'm biologically supposed to do. Why can't I do this is, is really big. Shame about it is really big. Um, embarrassment, anger, all of the above. And also the intrusiveness. It sounds like you need to tell your relatives to back the fuck off. I remember having that too. Like, uh, my, you know, you have your in-laws nagging you and it's like, dude, that's why I don't nag people about having children because you don't know what their fertility situation is. It's so presumptuous. First of all, to assume that all women want to have children. It's so presumptuous. And then to assume that all couples are magically equipped to reproduce is so presumptuous. And unless you've gone through it yourself, I don't think a lot of people don't have a sensitivity to it. Like I totally do because I've been down fertility fucking mountain and it, it's tough. It's very, very tough. It is a roller coaster of emotions, as my therapist would say. Um, it's up, it's down. But do you know this? Okay, so listen, you, you've had a miscarriage and you're 30, you're 36. Okay, guess what? That's when I started having um, baby stuff too. That's when I began my quest to have a child at 36. It took me, I got pregnant at 38. So it took two years. Um, my suggestion to you on a practical note Tell your fucking in-laws and your family to give you some space. Don't bring it up. Otherwise, you just will change the subject. The subject is off the table. I would just kindly suggest, hey, guess what? Uh, If you want to talk about this, I will not be discussing (laughs) said fertility stuff because it's none of your fucking business. Your vagina and uh, the organs and your husband's balls are nobody's business. Uh, And number two, because of your age and why not? go get checked out. Um, why not go to a fertility specialist? Um, the sooner the better. I mean, I, I kind of wish I would have done that sooner instead of going through that fucking nightmare a few times. So go see a doctor now. I would say when you're on the, the younger side of fertility drama, they're going to read you the riot act. Be prepared to hear how fucking old you are at 36. (laughs) Um, for some reason, they love telling you that you're a geriatric mother at the age of 36. And you're like, really? Because I'm fucking seeing a lot of older bitches than me having children. You're not old. Don't worry. You're not. It's just that the the scientific community wants to make you feel like shit. Um, don't read message boards. It is very tempting to get on these. I remember I was on a advanced maternal age message board and the hysteria on these message boards, people posting photographs of their vaginal mucus and of their miscarriages and toilets do not look on them because they do not provide comfort. (laughs) They provide other bitches who are going through shit that they need to see a shrink for. Um, Okay. So why not go, you and your husband get checked out now as a as a preemptive thing. Not to say that you may not, you might fucking be pregnant right now with your next child. You don't know. But why not go and uh, have a look at the plumbing? It's it can't uh, it can't it certainly can't hurt to just have everything inspected. Um, and you know what? It could be as simple as a pill. Um, it could be as simple as 
you know, one round of whatever fertility drug and bang, you're preggers, uh, you know. And here's the thing. There's so many options. You are, you are at the very beginning of your fertility drama. There's so many options. I don't know where you live. Hopefully go to, um, excuse me, a major city nearby and go to the best place. Go to the best at the best of the best of the business. I went to the fucking down in Beverly Hills where all the Kardashian bitches go get their babies done. So, you know what I'm saying? Like spend the money and, uh, and go do it now. Don't don't wait until you're you know two years down the road and you're really heartbroken and now you've given up and but 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 no 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 just go now. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Um. Okay. And it's not having a child is not the end all be all of a woman's uh, existence at all by any means. It is romanticized. It is fetishized. It is a uh, part of the 1950s patriarchal regime that tells us that we are only valid if we're part of the marriage baby making machine, right? It's, it's a relic of the pre-feminist era where women were defined by their ability to provide offspring to pass land onto. That's why, did you know that? That's why women have babies and then they share the last name of the, the man in feudal times to pass down land rights. Uh, there you go. So, it isn't the end all be all and, uh, but go get, go, go see your doctor, dude. Just go. Trust me. It's going to help. And I'm sorry again uh, for your loss. I, I have to say, I do, I do think having a miscarriage is up there in the trauma department. I would say, and for me personally, having a miscarriage way worse than like the death of a parent. <laughs> Cause it, you know what it is? It's like the death of a dream. It's, uh, it's like you have this dream of this baby and you guys are now talking about it and you're planning and everyone's excited and then it just changes on a dime and you're like, wait a minute, I thought we were going this direction and now I'm, and then not only that, they're, they're really horrific. They can be very painful. Thank you, Bitsy. Quiet. Um, they can be very painful, very disgusting, very ugh, rigorous. My advice, if anyone's going through it now, Go get your Percocet. <laughs> That's the only thing you can sometimes do. Percocets. They help everything now, don't they? Okay. Well, let's see. I don't want to end on um, on that note, but uh, did we read this one? Huh. No, let's see. Boopy doopy do. Okay. All right. No, don't want to do that either. Sorry, guys. I know how annoying this is to listen to. Well, why don't I just... Oh, here we go. Okay. Well, oh, no. We, uh, so the girl... I posted her picture last week. The, uh, the girl who is wearing... She sent a picture in my shut-it-down outfit. Here's one of my many Target tops to go with the above shorts and sandals. <laughs> she is on my website. You guys can take a look at her at thatsdeepropodcast.com. Um, I'm hoping to get another picture of your updated H&M fashion look, okay? We talked about this last week, the shut it down, the cargo shorts and the sandals. Do not shut it down, ladies. Don't do that. Don't you dare shut it down. Life is too short to stop uh, having sexuality. Um, I hope you don't fucking shut it down. Mm. Mm. There's so many emails I've gotten... um, about about motherhood and stuff. Keep writing them. I'll do it. You know, I do feel like this is one of the big taboos in, in our society that people don't talk about. 
the ambivalence sometimes of motherhood and the uh, the, the the nitty gritty to it. I, I tell you, I've searched high and low for anybody who fucking talks about any of the stuff in a realistic way or even marriage for that matter or anything remotely normal. And it's just like, it's such a bummer. I, I fucking never find, if you guys have any good recommendations for me, like mom blogs or mom thing, and don't give me the corny fucking you know, we're two wacky moms. Like, I don't want to hear it. Like, I just, I want just honest people <laughs> telling me, telling me what's going on. It's such a weird thing. Anyways, uh, email me guys. That's deep podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, I hope you guys have a great week. Continue to get your lives. Don't let these motherfuckers hold you down. Haters going to hate. Remember that haters exist. Did you know that fucking haters are real? The haters are real. Don't let them drag you down in the mud. Do you? Uh, yeah. Continue your lives, bros. Okay. I'm going to go meet up with my husband. I'm assuming he's back, which is why my dog went ape shit. I'm going to make some Sunday treats. I love making Sunday treats. Um, you know, that's what you got to do on a Sunday. You got to eat. You got to hang out with the fam. That's what it's all about. You got to stay in your pajamas. Showering is optional. We may go to the uh, country club a little bit later, a.k.a. the mall. Um, looking at that sur la table. I'm looking at getting a new uh, paring knife. Big Sunday for mom. <laughs> new cutlery, guys. What? A new spatula for the house. I don't know. It's crazy like that. Strawberry color. You name it. I might even get some color-coded Tupperware. Do you know that that's the most exciting thing I've done? Recently, I went to Crate and Barrel, and they had color-coded Tupperware, and I bought it thinking, how much of a colossal asshole am I? How much, what is wrong with me? And I'll tell you what, that goddamn color-coded Tupperware is the best thing that's happened to me in a year. I really, I bought all the other Tupperware, and, and that one is just outstanding. The lids match the little dot on the bottom of the thing. I tell you, it is really the little things in life. That's the fucking secret. That's the secret of all of this. You're already there. You don't need to be. You don't need to do. You don't need to achieve. You don't need to be anyone. You're already there, man. Wherever you go, that's where you are. Isn't that that stupid hippie saying? Because that's it. That's the whole fucking game, bro. You're looking for it. We're all looking to be bigger, better things. And you're already, you're already it. You're born divine. You're born perfect. You're born fucking awesome. And then it just goes downhill from there. But you are, you're perfect the way you are. Well, maybe not, not perfect, but you were, and you'll get back there. Does that make sense? You've already got it. All right. All right, guys, uh, stay deep until next week. That's been deep, bro. Hey, fucker. <laughs> now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Philosophize with It's Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans This ain't your mom's house It's a different theme Gotta be critically thinking Like you caught up at a cocktail party Our thoughts start to sink in John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates Got us talking all properly, topically Just a comedian discussing these philosophies Serious questions, silly people What's that? That's deep, bro Bro
It is the ultimate metaphor for life. And you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.